Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, music interviews for serious listeners. You may have heard of our curated music discovery app. The podcast lets us dig deeper and get to know the creators of that music, as well as others that will broaden your horizons. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. Shake your hand and flash a grin You're far too quick to let me in I feel your fear, it hurts my chest I too am fighting loneliness Good morning, Bedlam claimed the first place title at the John Hartford Memorial Festival Band Competition and were finalists at the Northwest String Summit Band Competition. They've played at festivals alongside artists such as Shaky Graves, Sam Bush, Jason Isbold, the infamous String Dusters, Trampled by Turtles, and others. We've got two of them so far, possibly more to come, but we've got Isaac and Tori with us. Thank you guys so much for making the time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having us. We wanted to start at the very beginning uh, with one of the more basic questions we ask and ask for a little bit of background on your name. Good morning, Bedlam. Mm-hmm. You're going to take this one, Isaac? <laughs> you know, I've always really loved the word Bedlam. And so I really wanted a, a band with the name Bedlam in it. And that's kind of where it started. And so we tossed around a bunch of ideas and eventually settled on Good Morning Bedlam. And Bedlam was a, uh, it's actually an insane asylum in old England. Hmm. And then since it's become a, a synonym for chaos or wildness. Yeah. Hmm. And so um, we like to, we've assigned meaning to it since. So now we just say like, Good Morning Bedlam is greeting the chaos of each day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. we came up with the name first. So we kind of had to make up some meaning later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that works. That's that's sort of what I took from it. Um, obviously, there's so much going on in your music, and you know, craft brewed music, the, the discovery app, and and the podcast is all about music that's cross genre um, and hard to to categorize and and define. You guys are not only cross genre, but almost sort of cross discipline with the the drama that you bring. Yeah. Yeah. For my part, listening to the the way you have these stylistic shifts in the music um, and these kind of dramatic scene changes by employing the kind of the cabaret style into the into the folk music into a more pop sensibility, there's these this very uh, uh, dramatic uh, arc to each of the tunes and the separate characters that you create with the voices. And to me, uh, Good Morning Bedlam seems like less of a folk group, more like a theater group that has folk instruments. Ooh, that's a good description. Um, one thing that we love about like being a folk band is that the term is so widely, like the umbrella is so large for that term. Yeah. Um, 
And so much of what we've done is when I started the band with Sophia, the, the violin player, um, a, a few years back, um, a lot of what we were doing, we, we always say like a lot of our success, uh, has come from not knowing we were doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say like, I think at the time when we first started, we were like, this is a bluegrass tune. And then, you okay. know, we roll in all of like the jam grass, bluegrass root scenes. And it's like, wow, if somebody had told us that that wasn't bluegrass or that wasn't a jazz song or that wasn't a, you know, what have you, um, we might not have kept going and we yeah. just didn't know any better. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of our, our success, I think, has just come from ignorance. <laughs> so at this point, we just lean into it and we're like, ah, let's try. You know, uh, there's a song on our record that definitely takes some influence from like Django Reinhardt and Squirrel Nut Zippers, like mm-hmm. those kinds of things and combines them. And, you know, we've got another song that takes uh, some ideas from like old, you know, uh, silent movie era kind of symphony stuff. And we've got a song, you know, songs that are definitely folk music and like kind of straightforward folk tunes. And, and we just don't like to, to limit ourselves. We really like to think of like our writing as an outpouring of what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of fun. Cause if you have kind of the same instruments to work with, there is a cohesivity, yeah. cohesiveness, I guess a cohesiveness in a through line that we're glad to hear that even though we try a bunch of different stuff and we really go out on a limb sometime, that there seems to be this sound that listeners recognize as distinctly good morning bedlam. And uh, we're, we're glad about that. Yeah. I think that to piggyback off of that, um, I think a lot of it is just, what are we having fun with? Like what, what are we drawn to in that time of life? And what, styles of music are we just listening to and enjoying and I think that kind of like allowing ourselves to go down different rabbit holes of just having fun with how we write um, lends itself to lots of different flavors you know so it's just yeah it's been a lot of fun to not limit ourselves like Isaac said I think one of the reasons it works is that uh, when you make one of these uh, surprising shifts within a tune there's a there's a 100% 100% commitment yeah. to like, we're going full step on Grappelli here, or this is, you know, this is going to sound like a Liza Minnelli cabaret thing here. And yeah. I think that's, that's why each of those moments works because there's, yeah. there's not any hesitation or like, we're going to like dabble in this. We're going to like <laughs> fully, fully embrace this style for the next eight measures. Yes. We are definitely into fully embracing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just to, to, um, to go down the 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 uh, the theater theme a little bit more, uh, I one of the things that I love on uh, on Lulu is the use of uh, all three of your voices, mm. uh, Isaac's, Tori's, and Sophia's, uh, to to give a single song different flavors, and then to rush in with these harmonies. But it really feels like you're developing characters within a song. Oh yeah, um, and that's that's why I, I you know I keep waiting for. Good Morning Bedlam's next album to be a two-act operetta. <laughs> we really want to, we would love, I want to score an indie, an indie film. Like that is like my dream. Mm-hmm. Like that would be so fun. <laughs> As you're writing, is it a conscious decision? You know, uh, Isaac's voice embodies this character. 
mm-hmm. uh, in a certain way better than say you know somebody else's is it is it a conscious part of the writing process oh yeah i yeah i think in this record especially we've been more conscious of that one of the the really cool things it's like we've worked very hard to like get our three-part harmonies very blended um but our voices are very different and they're mm-hmm. very specific and that's one thing that uh you know, I think not a lot of bands get to have like it's, it's a, it's really exciting that each of our we get to use each of our voices as a different paintbrush, you know, and, and a different tool because they have such different timbres. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are times in songs where you're just looking for a back and forth, or you're just using harmonies. And there are times where it's yeah, you almost have these two to three different voices within the song. And we mm-hmm. kind of ass- assign those voices to each of us gets assigned a voice and um, you, it's very conversational, which in uh, it's a dialogue often within the song. And that's really cool because you can kind of within your own song, have another voice that comes back, it comes in and almost maybe gives you pushback on an idea or another perspective on, on an idea. So that's really fun to get to do. It's yeah. It's just like you said, it's very, um, it's kind of like a theatrical tool, but what it, for me, the balance of it is like, yeah, being able to hear, you know, Isaac does a lot of the writing. So some, a lot of the songs are from his perspective. So then Sophie and I's voices, we get to use as like the feminine perspective or, you know, the person, the, or just like the other people in general, um, looking, uh, and their view in on the situation itself. So it's, it's really fun to use it as a texture, just, um, sonically, and also use it as an emotional element in itself. Earlier today, I was uh, watching a, a video that I think is on your YouTube channel that's uh, <clears throat> just the the three of you singing, uh, You're Gonna Miss Me. <laughs> uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a great example of a group that has, you know, these three distinct voices that are kind of playing different characters in the song. But then when you, when you do the harmony, you all are using that single microphone in a way that like you'd expect someone like a, a band from the forties or fifties, it's all huddled around one mic and you have to learn how to, to distance yourself and get that harmony to sound right. So you go from being an individual voice to being a part of this chorus. And that, that seemed, it struck me as ex- extremely old fashioned. A pre-COVID <laughs> approach to using a microphone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> actually you know we don't uh we don't play acoustically a lot uh but when we do occasionally play acoustically and we're not each on our own microphone it's so fun um to lean into each other like that uh, just to it i mean practically to hear each other's harmony but um visually to get close and i think uh, as i have a theater background so for me it's almost like I, I love the choreography of being around one mic 
mm-hmm. of like the just adding the visual for people of like ah now they're close and now they're I like just seeing it is also really fun like you said what well, seems so authentic and, and almost a, the, uh, there's a romance to it you know when you think back to those recordings at sun studios or rcab in nashville or you know there's just a you know it's 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 kind of the real deal stripped of all uh, any, anything superfluous i agree i think like one i think honestly though the way what it comes from is i think that we would go full production if we had a sound tech we all just hate (laughs) doing production stuff so we're like let's just put up a microphone and record and um and also i mean we play roots music so there are times you know you'll show up to like a a venue that typically does roots music or something like that and they'll be like our setup here is you can plug in the bass but everything else goes through one mic so we've kind of had to learn to do that in certain situations, um, which has been like a great learning experience for us. That's something that's super, a super common practice in, especially like bluegrass music. And so we show up to these roots, uh, these roots festivals sometimes, or these roots venues. And they're like, well, you're a roots band. You should do this. And (laughs) we've had to learn to do it, even though in our heads we're, we, uh, you know, we're thinking, uh, but we're a pop band pretending to be a street. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's no yeah. separate monitor mixes and that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that 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 experience you've had um, leads me to another uh, another uh, theme I wanted to address, which is kind of the the headspace of the performing artist versus the recording artist. Mm. You guys have uh, you know um, earned yourselves a, a loyal following through very high energy performances. And mastering, you know, how to how to do things with uh, uh, limited equipment on a stage with just a few people. And uh, when you come around to a project like Lulu, um, you know, you're you're changing your mindset into that of the recording artist, where suddenly there are more things available. And what what is that process like for a band like Good Morning Bedlam? It it is so much. It was so much fun to record Lulu. Um, initially, it was kind of initially we were a little afraid of recording something that didn't sound like us, you know, get it, maybe like taking it too far or doing too much that people didn't hear live. Um, but then as we, we worked with our producer at carpet booth Studios, Zach Zern, um, he really helped, he helped push us in moments where we needed to be pushed. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and encourage us that, we have such a, um, we have a lot of energy live and you have to find ways to be able to translate that in a recording. Um, and sometimes it doesn't mean just, just the instruments that you play live. It means like, let's, yeah, let's find some specific percussion parts here. Let's add, you know, let's try some interesting room noises. Let's add a symphony part in Lulu and really make it all that it is in our heads um, and not limiting ourselves, it was really, really fun. And initially it was intimidating, but as, the farther we got into the process and each song, it felt like it just became more like being in a candy store and being like, ah, I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yes, of course I want brass on that. One thing I would say is this is a, co- a very... Um, this was a common conversation, probably our most common conversation while we were in the studio. Um, 
are that it's one of the reasons we chose the producer we did. You know, he he works a lot with um, a lot of pop music, and we knew that the production we wanted on the record was going to be a lot poppier. And so when we brought it in, you know, a lot of what he was we we chatted about on the first day was um, finding ways to translate energy mm. into a recording. You know, and I think that's one thing really hard to do if like a lot of what you're doing is visual from a live performance. And so finding um, textures and timbres and instruments to use within the record to bolster um, the theme of what's there or the heart of what's there or the energy of what's there when you need something more than just an acoustic guitar, you need to double up something on the violin. And so... I would say, I feel like it was every hour we were having the conversation of, is this a progression of Good Morning Bedlam? Or is yeah. this a deviation of yeah. from Good Morning Bedlam? And as you're a growing band and you're a developing band, um, it's important to keep, you know, we, we want to see progression into mm. new ideas and new spaces. Um, and, and so that's such an interesting conversation within the studio. Because there are times we came up with really cool ideas on certain instruments. And then we'd listen back and we would say, you know, it's a really cool idea, but I actually do feel like in this case, it's a deviation from who we are and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then there were other times where like, I felt like, and this is why you need a producer you can trust. And somebody that if they understand your vision, they can kind of help you open up your mind a little bit and see things in a way that you might not normally see it. Cause you know, when you're the writer, you get sometimes really bogged down in the weeds. And so it was nice to have a producer there that you, that I could really trust and we could really trust to say, Hey, I think if you can trust me and just, if we can try this idea and if you can trust me as somebody that understands the greater vision of the album, I think that this is actually going to help your overall vision of the album, even though you've never thought about this idea. And so somebody that can take something that's very precious to you and communicate with you in a way that you're open to receiving new ideas in that's a very important part of the creative process. And so we're very thankful for like getting to work with somebody that we felt like truly understood where we're going and the difference between progression and deviation for us musically. Mm-hmm. Tori had already alluded to, I think one of the more dramatic moments on, on the album Lulu, which is uh, in the, the tune uh, Lulu, where you suddenly shift from black and white into full technicolor with this surging uh, orchestral sound and the timpanis mm-hmm. uh, that that creates this it, it, a very unexpected and surprising moment of drama. She kissed me so sweetly, and she promised me nothing but sweetness to last. Now I'm seen in color, a film full of color. Now I'm striking that match. Lulu, when I look at you, I see no chance of pushing through. And I must be the one to say goodnight. For all our technicolor dreams, our names are rolling down the screen. Some wishes made, our wishes left behind. Never quite vivid enough, dear. 
Was, was, this, was this an idea that there was resistance to immediately or did you all immediately say, oh my God, this is the direction we have to go? So I actually, I knew when we walked in the studio that I wanted that. Um, I tend to be, I tend to go back and forth and, and have a lot of doubt, but that, I think that's one of the only things I can firmly say in like my entire writing career, I was a hundred percent sure of. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had that, I was like, guys, just trust me on this. And everybody, you know, we've been working together so closely and um, Tori and Sophie and, and, and even Zach Zern, our producer, uh, I feel like they're generous enough to know like when I'm really excited about an idea like that, you know, like that they can trust me. And so I'm really thankful for them that they kind of allowed me to take that, uh, that risk and that part for sure. Like in that idea and, and we were able to all collaborate and arrange it together, you know, but everybody being open to, to trying the idea. And it was so much fun because I feel like initially we like, you know, we added some of the layers because it went, it was added layer by layer. Um, and, you know, we were trying out this idea. We added some of the layers. And then I think we all started really getting into it. And then we were like, what if we added this? And what if we added this? And then... Um, it's like, and then, see? Yeah. <laughs> see? And then I think where it really clicked for me was um, our... It was in the studio, but it was like the final listen through and our producer had done some like minimal mixing really. Um, but sitting there and letting that moment um, of the orchestra, even unmixed, just raw tracks, letting it wash over you in that moment and like almost just completely envelop you and surprise you was so satisfying and so beautiful. Um, I just loved it. Oh, and here we've got two other guests on the podcast. Hi, Hello. The rest of the band. Well, two of the rest of the band. Isaac's also here. Oh, hi, Isaac. <laughs> What's up? Hey. What's they're, up? Out running, they're out running errands right now. And <laughs> I'm, I'm back at where we're staying. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome, everyone. We were uh, in the midst of talking about uh, the production decisions on Lulu and we're uh, specifically talking about the... Uh, uh, the orchestral arrangement, which explodes into the end of uh, the tune, Lulu. And they said that you guys didn't, you two didn't want to do it, but that Isaac and Tori just made it happen. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of resistance and it like almost created a rift. But got it, so. I almost broke up and then. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting that I guess it can go the other way as well with the, an example being Blessed Boy, you know, that's so stripped down even relative to say some of the, the trio tracks. And yet that is so striking mm-hmm. sort of like the inverse of the, the large symphonic moment. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is that, yeah, it was almost crafted opposite to, um, so, you know, we kind of tried to approach each, each song um, in a way that the song called for, you know, we tried not, you know, Sometimes when you go to record a record, you're like, okay, this is the mic and this is where you go. And now you record all of the guitar for all of the songs, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of the record, there were, there were obviously similarities in between the different recording pieces, but Lulu was recorded on very specific mics to give it a certain feel. And it was big production. And then Blessed Boy was actually the first song that as a band, 
we've done something that was not recorded to a click, not recorded to a metronome, and was not recorded track by track. Hmm. So I did that one, uh, the vocals and the the guitar at the same at the same time for that. Hmm. Um, and we just felt like that gave it. It just gave me the ability to be a little bit more authentic in the delivery, mm-hmm. and and it's the vibe of that track that that I found so compelling. I mean, it's just gorgeous and, and and intangible in its appeal. You know, thank you. Yeah, and and I think that yeah, finding moments. I think one thing that we were really excited about when we walked away from this record, and I think that both Lulu and Blessed Boy kind of capture this is letting things have time to breathe so that you can have specific moments. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when we first wrote the song, blessed boy, there were no strings at the end. And, um, when we, Sophia and Tori and I, we went out to demo the record, uh, about two, three months before we went into the studio, went out to a little cabin and recorded all the songs so we could hear them. And we were getting ready to pack up and I was like, oh, I have this idea for this string part in Blessed Boy. And um, we went and recorded it. And it was just one of those really special moments where I think we all knew like, oh, that's exactly what that needed. And, the, mm-hmm. and within the context of the, the themes of the song, um, you know, it follows the line, but up from behind him, the orchard had grown. And so the strings are really, um, mm. they're there to be, this flourishing, you know, at the end, this orchard that's rising up behind and and the way it swells and grows through that, that part is it's supposed to represent that. And, um, I think having the rest of that song be so minimalist, um, gave us space to do that. For a blessed boy, I've heard your voice and I know they've done you wrong. With weeds too deep to unroot He felt cheated by soil That wouldn't produce But up from behind him The orchard had grown And shaded his back As he'd weeded and sown More fruit than he ever could eat on his own Yellow rose sings, you're never alone For blessed boy, we've heard your voice And we know they've done you wrong In between your fitful dreams Did you learn you do belong? Blessed boy Blessed 
blessed boy I love that part I I always um, at the end or throughout the whole song I always see that song being a uh, an illustrated video like having someone illustrate it yeah um and then you know you can visualize the garden growing up from behind him in that Mm -hmm. moment with the strings i just think it'd be really cool It's also that is a really fun that moment with when the strings come in is a really fun moment to perform live um because it's it's definitely like it's this sonic dip in our set um which is kind of nice because a lot of our set is kind of wild. And then you have blessed boy and then this like swelling string section. And it tends to, um, if, if it's like the right crowd or if it's, if it's, um, a good night, people have a really strong reaction to that, which is always, yeah. Fun. That's where we get people to cry. Oh yeah. yeah. Exactly. The water works. That's an essential <laughs> moment in the show is when, when people all start crying. <laughs> I just if anybody's listening there out there that uh if you come up to me at a show and you tell me that you cried, I will be very happy. So <laughs> <laughs> I think uh you know Brian and I are people who listen to to full albums as opposed to uh singles and you know separate tracks and playlists and I think the uh place in a blessed boy in the arc of the overall narrative of the album Lulu is also very effective. I think where it where it makes its appearance um, is also kind of emotionally charged. And, uh, and I'm guessing with you guys, that's not a, a coincidence. You're, you're probably nope. laying the whole thing out as a, like, like each song as a dramatic presentation. Yeah. We love, we love records as well. I mean, we released almost the whole record as singles, um, because that's kind of the modern way to do things. And I was very right. suspicious, you know, <laughs> I was like, but, but the whole arc of the record, you know? Yeah. Um, but we put our heads together and I think, I specifically remember Sophia and I sitting down and trying different combinations over and over to get, you know, cause you're trying to kind of combine a couple different things. You're trying to um, kind of have this thematic arc of the record, which I think is um, especially starting with I am sad and ending with Lulu um, was very important. And we knew that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're doing that thematically but also you're trying to do it um, – well, we were trying to do it musically as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to the record, you kind of hear a progression sonically as well. Like I Am Sad is much more – it's much more similar sonically to our last record, Like Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot folkier. It's, it's really playing into those sounds. And then by the time you get to the last two, which are Salt and Lulu, you've kind of had this much poppier – much um, more epic sound. And I think that's the, the direction we want to go. Uh, one of the, the um, speaking of the, uh, of themes that run through uh, the entire album, um, there's a, um, a, uh, a couple tunes that deal with kind of an appraisal of uh, long-term relationships and, and uh, you know, a lot of pop music, uh, tends to favor the honeymoon period or the eyes meeting across a crowded room phase of the relationship. But uh, on tunes like Hold Me in a kind of lighthearted way and then The Haunting in a more contemplative way, uh, there's this very mature uh, appraisal of people who've been together a long time and acknowledging 
idiosyncrasies and, and even embracing them that I, I find very attractive. Well, thank you. It, both of those songs are, I, I feel like are from Isaac and I, our experience. We're as, married, by the way. We're married, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> even though we're on different, uh, on right. different tracks here. We're on different <laughs> tracks, but we are married. By the time um, anyone hears this, we'll have you on the same track. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I especially so the haunting was written before "Hold Me." Um, the haunting for me, when we wrote it, was kind of like we, you know, it it is. I don't know if anybody listening can relate. Um, if when you're in a band or you own a business with your spouse, it is very tricky to not fall into like these patterns of, um, of just descent, like these patterns of, well, this is what you do and this is what I do. And these are the games we play with each other. Um, and this is how, and there, and this is how we're stuck. Um, and what I love about that song is like, it starts off with that idea of like, this is just, this is our back and forth. And then it comes to the conclusion of no, like I need to change and that we both need to change and we both need to like, in order to come together in a better way and in a new way, we both have to look inside ourselves for the change. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that about that song. It's, and it's every time we sing it, it's a reminder. Um, And it's, I'm very thankful to be able to express myself and ourselves in that way almost every night, you know, with cutting verbs Don't you know by now I speak and you will learn If I don't hear Your words won't hurt just like pure fun we when we were writing it we were just we sat down and we're like what are the weird things that you do (laughs) (laughs) we made made lists of all of our (laughs) (laughs) yeah like uh, everything you hear in that song that each of us sings individually like that is something we do Mm -hmm. um and it's it was really and it's just fun to sing it's it's funny and um 
And I think it's extremely real, you know, it's not, and it's just as, and to me when I sing it, I'm, it's just as sweet as, you know, these, as, you know, beautiful ballad love songs. Um, because that's just, yeah, that's who we are. And, uh, and I love, you know, there's, I love when people dance to that song. I love seeing people connect over it. And, um, yeah, I, and, I love both of those songs. <laughs> and our other band members, your other band members kind of nodding their heads about the idiosyncrasies and going, yep, well, that's true. Uh, when, when they brought, cause, um, Isaac and Tori wrote it together and then kind of brought a pretty completed version of it. Um, pretty much fully completed. And it was so, it was really fun to hear <laughs> I guess I don't know what jab isn't the right word, <laughs> but just those, those little, um, I don't know, nudges of, cause it's so, all of it is so true. And we've, the three of us, um, Dawson, our trumpet player, he's, quite, he's very new. Um, and we've been just getting to know him more, but the three of us have been touring together for a long time and you get very familiar with each other's idiosyncrasies and right, right. <laughs> It was fun to hear them in that way. Like, I, I also knew, like, there's one line, bought 18 jeans just to find the right fit. <laughs> Tori definitely was like, yep. She'll, she'll try them on. She'll be like, she'll wear them for a couple days. She'll be like, no. It'll just be like, where did those pants go, Tori? She's like, I returned all of them. <laughs> now I have <laughs> Or um, the loud voice thing or the fall. The, what is the fall? There's a fall. In oh, the- oh, I broke my jo- broke my nose just from falling down, just from falling yeah. down. that it that happened to me there's a story <laughs> that i knew i was like yeah i know what she's talking about there's <laughs> one story so that's that's fun and it's it's fun to kind of get to share those things that are kind of personal to us and that i know well and they know well mm-hmm. yeah it's fun to share that with the crowd. And when you give when you give things that are so specifically authentic then when you turn around and say i think you're a work of art uh, then it then it really sounds that sounds authentic too and that's why those songs that are humorous and lighthearted can actually be some of the most uh, you know powerful statements of So getting back to the the the, the haunting, um, you know, the the process of songwriting. We've we've spoken to other songwriters who talk about it, it as being a, a form of therapy, getting getting things out. So as co-writing a song like the haunting, is that is that a a, a form of couples therapy? Um, what would you say, Isaac? I I feel like it was more of a form of just expressing um, a time of our lives, you know. 
And I, I think for me, the therapy itself comes more from the singing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense. And, and that maybe that's just me, but um, for me, yeah, it's, this is kind of a weird metaphor, but to me, sometimes songs are kind of like tattoos where mm. you look down at this uh, piece of art that was made at a specific time in a specific place and the reason why it's beautiful is because it it takes you right back to that time and place. And then you're also like, but I'm also different now. Um, so it's kind of like being able to remember who you were and um, also acknowledge who you are at the same time. So that's, I, that's something I love about getting to sing a song even if I don't necessarily feel exactly that way at this point in time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I will. The Haunting's an interesting one because it's on Lulu, but it was the first song written, and it was written in 2018. And then the song Enough was written in 2019, and then the rest of the record was all written in 2020. Um, so it came out like also much earlier, like two years two years yeah over two years earlier than the rest of the record um so i think we've lost tori so let's see how should we play this well i think since she's gone we should take the opportunity to say nice things about her and i'd I'd like to talk about the the tune salt which is a a uh, a vocal tour de force that features uh that features tori and i'm curious about the uh uh the the origin and and the writing of that tune Oh man, that's the only song on the record I didn't write. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is perfect then. I'm glad uh, I chose wisely. Um, one thing that I always say about Salt, I always joke around about is, um, and this kind of happened in Light Kings with Tori song Pretty Papers, is that I can write nine of the ten of the so- ten songs of a record, and Tori will come in and write one, and it's the most uh, popular song on every record. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's definitely happened with Salt. That seems to be um, something that just seems to really connect with people, the way she wrote that. Um, and it's really co- cool to see live, you know, because once you have a big arrangement like that, you take it out on the road. You're like, I hope that this translates. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be one that really touches people. And uh, it's, it's a really humbling experience to watch people react to it after the song and um that's been really that's been really uh, yeah very humbling experience on the road told myself against her i could stand but buckled beneath pressure by her
we've loved getting to know the record. Um, we appreciate your taking the time out on the road to do this interview. And it's the fact that you're on the road that, that caused a couple of hiccups here with Tori falling off and everybody. But, but my point is that we appreciate the effort you guys made to, you know, get everybody to, to hop on here. Um, where can people uh, keep, keep in touch with you and, and hear what you're up to? Yeah. So um, we're playing a lot of shows. Tour just ramped up. Like we were just saying, we're on tour right now, but we'll be all over the Midwest, heading down to the Southeast um, and around there. But you can keep up with us. Like our website is goodmorningbedlam.com. Um, and then we post all of our activity on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Spotify. Um, has a lot of our show information. Uh, we also have a Patreon where we give like exclusive content and that kind of thing. Uh, like we do video series on Patreon for our, our, um, our supporters on there where we'll, I do a, a video series where I break down one song a month. I break down the entire song, the writing process, lyrics, themes, why we chose certain textures or certain instruments. Um, Tori sends out postcards to fans. Um, as of, I think tomorrow, we're going to start a podcast on there. And so we get to do lots of really fun stuff where we get to connect with fans uh, and listeners a little bit deeper on there. So you're actually now going to be a direct competitor of ours, it sounds like. I guess so. (laughs) 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 Thank you for listening. Craft Brewed Music, both the podcast and the music discovery app, has the mission of promoting this music and these artists. We can't do that without ears on the music. So if you like what you've heard here, we're going to ask you two small favors. First, tell someone about the podcast. Second, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brewed Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the curated streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbrewedmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.